This is Carissa from Pennsylvania, and I wouldn't be caught dead listening to I Doubt It with Dalmore. Now, you better believe it with Brittany is a whole nother story, because Brittany's the best part. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 479 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, on this rainy Monday morning, joined by my lovely, talented, and ever-scholarly co-host, expert at tire buying, Brittany Page. (laughs) I don't know if that is true, but I do try my best. I try my best. I just love... And by love, I mean it's very annoying, and I'm sure more annoying for you. But certain things just don't change. Mm-hmm. And there's a trope out there. There's the the cliche of the woman going to get mechanic work done or any kind of automotive service done mm-hmm. and being fucked with. And not always feeling like they're being treated on the up and up. Yeah. And what happened when you bought tires for your car? Mm-hmm. The other day, before we went up north, up north, um, to the mountains, mm-hmm. uh, it was emblematic of that. Yeah. Well, I, I've had this experience a lot, and I I don't know a lot about cars, and I've tried many different tactics to try to protect myself from the predatory sales behavior of men at car shops. Yeah. One time I went in and thought I was armed with knowledge and said, my <laughs> serpentine belt is squeaking. The I would old like serpentine it, belt time. I would like it tightened, please. And they came back and said, yeah, you don't have a serpentine belt. You're, this model does not have a serpentine belt. <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> that was when you were a kid, though. So I went in to get tires, and I have not been rotating my tires. So my front two tires were just... It was basically rim. Well, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> it was not I was going to give you a little, a little runway there. To, you could just say, well, they were needing to be replaced. Yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> uh, so bad that he went out. They and look- were basically rim. He went out and looked at them and said, wow, which was not helpful. But- yeah, but they could have been. They could have had some tread on them and he would have said. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's his job is to act like it's a dire emergency. Yeah. So I drive a Toyota Corolla. It's not a fancy car. It doesn't need fancy things. That's why I like it. I would still be driving my 97 Toyota Tercel if it hadn't died on the freeway when it ran out of oil. Um, so. <laughs> wow. Well, you needed to. Let me just give a little disclaimer here. About what? The the the, the tercel because it only ran out of oil because you failed to put oil in it. Yes, it was my fault. Yeah, however, that car you needed to like re- replenish the oil supply almost every time you filled up. When I got gas, yeah. Yeah, it was insane how much oil it burned. Yeah, but it lasted like 320,000 miles. Which Wait, by the way, when is you Is that how much or 220? I have no idea. But when you I want to I want to back you up when you say that you 
you that's why you love the Corolla because you really there are times you lament not having the Tercel anymore. Yeah. And it was a it was a POS. Well, these things aren't important to me. I just want a reliable car that I don't need to get the tires rotated for years and it still drives. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I go in and he wow. sees the tires and he starts trying to sell me on like these top of the line Michelin $130 per tire no, yeah. no, like I'm, high performance. Yeah, and he for was, a high performance machine, and that was the only one he was showing me. He wasn't showing me all the other options, but I could see on the screen all these other options of tires that were for my car, and so I was kind of giving him some time to stop doing what he was doing, um, thinking that I'm going to pay that much for tires for yeah. my Toyota Corolla that I drive in Southern California where it never rains or anything. Can I say that's a great quote? by the way i was giving him some time to stop doing what he was doing yeah <laughs> he did Brittany not Page. he did not figure it out so eventually <laughs> i just kind of slowly raised my finger to the screen and said what about this 60 dollar attire one right here <laughs> that one seems great yeah let's go with that like, well how unsafe is this tire oh well that's not unsafe uh, then that's the one I want. Yeah, it had like three stars next to it. It It's fine. Or maybe it was $90 or $80. I don't know. It was significantly cheaper than the one, yeah. the only one he felt to tell me about that I needed. So this kind of stuff happens all the time. But it really, it plays to my both ignorance. I'm, I'm for sure ignorant about cars. So, and I can fall into the paranoia of feeling like I need to replace all these things or I need this. That, yeah, that yeah, can yeah. happen to me. But I'm also very cheap. So if it's expensive, it's you're like, not going to win, it's bro. Du dueling Britney Page characteristics. Yes. Just butting heads. Yeah, the paranoia. <laughs> and, and fear that you might be doing the wrong thing. Right. Working against your, your frugality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to pay for that. <laughs> and normally that wins out. Luckily, I think. So, yeah, it all worked out. I got the tires. I didn't pay a million dollars for them. And that guy did not learn a lesson. <laughs> we'll try to do the same thing with the next person yeah. that comes along. And the cycle continues. Well, it is, it is odd because we've been to that tire place multiple times. Mm -hmm. when we put car, uh, tires on my car. Yeah. And you've witnessed how they treat me. Yes. So it is different. It's not because uh, mm -hmm. I do the same exact thing. Whatever the lowest shitty, shitty tire is, I go one step up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because well, they last virtually as long as the crazy ones. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're going to slide off the fucking road. Mm -hmm. We don't drive in snow. Yeah. I don't need a studded snow tire. Well, and guess what? We did drive in snow. Yeah, and in it, Big Bear. it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was perfectly fine. It yeah. really was. Without chains, we're just, you know, sliding well, around drifting I mean, in the Corolla. It was perfect. I, it was a fun I, time. It was I fun. was at the wheel. Mm. The man was driving. Oh, oh, you think you would have fared very well on those roads driving out of the neighborhood? No, there. I tried to park and I was screaming. Yeah. I'm exactly <laughs> the problem, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly the problem. But I don't think that uh, 
I'm a normal person. So I'm sure there's other women that are perfectly capable don't, of driving in the don't snow. Don't categorize it or characterize it like that. Like Listen, I'm saying the, the women can't drive in snow. The patriarchy is alive. No, the patriarchy is not alive. Not in this room, sister. Uh, this not podcast, in this room. The par- patriarchy is Listen, alive right now. I, there are many women, maybe millions mm, of women. I'm friends with so many women. <laughs> We're desperate to make this stick. There are maybe millions of women who are better drivers in the snow than me. That's not what I'm saying. Yes. I'm saying uh, amongst the three people who were in the car at the time Mm -hmm. while the snow driving was happening. Right. I was the most capable. You were the least capable. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. That's nothing to do with the fucking patriarchy. Yes. God damn. What is happening right now? I think you need to relax. God damn. Is that a new one? Yeah, it's from Rick and Morty. There's a character called Noob Noob, Mm -hmm. and he laughs at um, Rick's hilarious and off-color jokes, Mm -hmm. and uh, usually it's just with that reaction. God damn! So, hopefully... It saves me from having to say goddamn all the time. I understand. Um, So, we we got another gift in the mail, and we want to talk about it so that Walter, a.k.a. Steven, doesn't feel left out like we didn't talk about his lovely gift that well, he sent us we got it and we forgot to talk about it two two times in a row because i'm a dumb guy yes exactly and maybe so, i just hate gifts from steven no that's not aka it. walter <laughs> <laughs> reverse that so um this is for me hi Brittany. i know you love music and books so hopefully you like this and can use it by the way what happened with the shazam entry enjoy your gift from walter aka steven yeah, whatever happened to the shazam game show entry that you were going to pursue well let's just also say it's an itunes gift card so thank you very much sir um what happened with that yeah i didn't do it so <laughs> well it's uh, simply yeah. explained uh, we'll need to look into that one of these days. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But he also sent a gift for you, Jesse yes. D. Hi, Jesse D. This movie is your gift. I know cooking is a passion of yours, and I think you'll really enjoy this movie. It's one of my personal favorites. Merry Christmas. Enjoy your gift from Walter, a.k.a. Steven. So in the, the, the movie. And it's good news, good news here. I've seen Chef. That's one of the movies. I love Chef. I'm very happy to have it on Blu-ray. Great film. Yeah. And then Black Panther, which is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. The, the thing with us is we're not big superhero movie people. Mm-hmm. Like I just watched... Uh, Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity. I was, I was thinking Infinity Stones was the name of the movie. But the Infinity one, the Avenger, it's Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Pretty good, but then I realized because I went on YouTube and saw and afterward and like looked at a like the, all the movies you're supposed to see before you see that one, mm-hmm. and I'd only seen maybe two or three of the ones that are like prequel to to the Infinity movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not making any more, any sense, but those out there, I think they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've I've been listening to Mark Marin again, and he has this thing where he r- likes to bring up how much he doesn't watch um, superhero movies, hmm. and he doesn't like them. 
and like he's the kind of person that doesn't like them and doesn't get them and it's, oh, I, it's that's not me it's funny to me how he's like making that a feature of his personality right. um <laughs> he's highlighting that as something that he wants to brag about yeah, yeah like i don't like those movies guys no it's not that even that i don't like them it's just that we we have a certain type of of movie that we go to the theater to see a movie like chef that was a movie we went to the theater well i would say there's just been a lot of superhero movies. It feels like they're coming out all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. happening a lot. Like I haven't seen a Spider-Man since the very first one with Tobey Maguire. It's just a lot of them. So it's kind of hard to keep up with all of the ones. <laughs> they're like 12 different Spider-Mans deep now. Spider-Men. Yeah. You know, I heard <laughs> I heard that a uh, Spider-Man the animated one that they did with John Mulaney is in it. Um that that's with, with really good. Kid? I don't know. I haven't seen yeah, anything I think, about I think it. Peter Parker in that is a is a black kid, which yeah, fuck yeah, more ha- power to him. Yeah, it's great. I haven't seen anything about it. I haven't seen a preview for it. All I've heard is John Mulaney talking about how he was in it, and then I've heard people talking about how good it was. That it was like the best thing that they've seen this year. So they're casting tall tall children. Mm-hmm. John Mulaney, exactly. Good job. Yeah. Well, thank you, Walter, aka Stephen. We appreciate it very much. Yes. Um, we love, it is kind of a treat when you go to the PO box and, well, let me juxtapose it against what's it like, what what it's like when there's nothing there. <laughs> it is kind of like a, like a, you open it up and, oh, yeah, fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm someone who sends cards to my friends on their birthdays and I had one of my friends tell me it's very unique what a unique thing no I actually had my friend tell me that it is unique that, oh really that I'm the only person that sends them cards huh yeah so you're like a grandma do you put like a five dollar bill in there too no no <laughs> I, I really should be better about it um I wish I did it more for more people um and maybe that'll be one of my resolutions but we'll see what happens wow yeah so we are going to read some listener communication now. and Look at you with all the segues today. I like it. Mm, yes. So. <laughs> wow. I don't know why I said it like that. Mm, yes. We have an email here from Jennifer in Long Beach about R. Kelly. And we haven't really talked about R. Kelly, but that three or four part documentary series premiered. Surviving R. Kelly. Right. And so he was trending on Twitter and everything went crazy. Everyone talking about what R. Kelly has done. And I thought it was pretty common knowledge that R. Kelly was a bad dude and is known for being a sexual predator. Yeah, there's videos of him like peeing in the mouth of a 15 year old girl. He's a, a fucking monster. So... Uh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is, yes. So maybe maybe it wasn't common knowledge how bad it was, I guess. Yeah, it's, um, it's fucking terrible. So and It's like sex slaves in his Atlanta house. Yes. He's a fucking piece of shit. I Appar- mean, other than that, he's probably a super great guy. Apparently, he lives in Trump Tower, which is really just perfect. Yeah, works out great. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is from Jennifer. Dear Brittany and Jesse, in light of the Louis C.K. backlash and the Catholic Church debacle, I wanted to also bring light to the monster R. Kelly, who should be rotting in jail right now, if not for his pack of ravenous Trumpian supporters. Not sure if you've ever seen the show Boondocks, but there's an episode dedicated to the atrocities Kelly has committed. Not only does it depict R. Kelly as the dickhole he is, it also shows that the people who support him... 
know he's a dickhole and couldn't give an iota of a fuck about it. The main character, Huey, tries so hard to reason with them with video proof, written statements, and witness testimony, and none of that phases his rabid fans because he sings so well. There's even a documentary out on R. Kelly right now about his rape allegations, and shockingly, his music sales have increased because of it. Kara Delevingne lost 500,000 followers for denouncing him, and his victims are all called hoes and liars. Nobody wants to believe the guy who sang, I believe I can fly, is innocent. This is on a level probably worse than Harvey Weinstein, because at least Harvey Weinstein was arrested when allegations came out. R. Kelly is protected, like Trump, and no one is coming after him. Could it be because he's only hurting black girls and young women? The most unprotected humans in this country, if not the planet. Because if R. Kelly hurt one blonde, blue-eyed 18-year-old, the media would call for his death immediately. I wish that were the case, but unfortunately, the most avid supporters protecting him are black, majority of them being the same demographic of black girls and young women he preys on. I have called for this man's arrest since the Boondocks episode air aired. His own daughter called him a monster and no one listens. This is a situation where black people are allowing a terrible thing to happen to members of their own race and community because he's powerful and rich. It's so disheartening. This constantly happens whenever a powerful black man commits a heinous crime, OJ, Cosby, Kelly, Dre, Rice, Vic, especially if he commits the crime against the black female population, he's protected by other black people, even black women who would rather be pick me's than stand for justice. Because we don't have many people in power to look up to. We reason that powerful white men get away with it all the time. So we need to let this powerful black man go to make it even a fuck you to white society at the cost of the black female demographic. Like the Root article I read said, R. Kelly is the black Donald Trump and they both need to burn. I wish he gets arrested by tomorrow. Anyway, that's my first rant of 2019. Thank you for reading your favorite self-appointed black correspondent, Jen from Long Beach. Jen from Long Beach. Um, fantastic email. Uh, a lot of questions there that I am woefully unqualified to really comment on. I'm not a member of the black community. I don't uh, I don't see the world through that lens. And it's it's tough to to make a value judgment. There's certainly things that I've uh, I have noticed. Like even related to Bill Cosby, that I I've seen comments about, well, because Harvey Weinstein didn't go to prison, Bill Cosby should go free. Mm-hmm. Seemingly completely disregarding the experience, the trauma, the victimization of the women in the case of Bill Cosby. Right. And and similarly with with uh, R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting when we got this email from Jennifer. We had actually just been talking about an article that I read. I think it was in The Atlantic. And it was a um, scholar that was kind of reviewing the literature on why this phenomenon exists throughout history of kind of what Jennifer is describing, where the community that has been preyed upon is the same community that defends the predator. And... Like what Jen said, one of the things the article um, touched on was the the white people aspect, right? Um, that white people get away with it. Also, that black men have historically been falsely accused of rape in order to kill them. Yeah. To sure. lynch them. Yeah. 
And so that is obviously a strong point, but also the perception of young black girls as being more mature, more sexually mature. Right. At a young age. Which um, we've seen in studies related to punishment in school and countless studies. Right. So thinking that they are, even though they are children, even though they are teenagers, that they are old enough to make these decisions because somehow they are more mature yeah. than, than young white girls, which obviously... Not the case. Just, yeah, not the case at all. Right. Um, just a racist perception. So it, it is interesting how even like uh, John Legend apparently was in the, the docuseries and people were tweeting him, praising him for coming out and speaking out. And he wrote a tweet that said basically, yeah, it wasn't a big deal for me. He's a predator. Yeah. Why wouldn't I speak out? I stand with the victims. It's as simple as that. Look, I, I can I can understand the... The apprehension of accepting these types of claims based on the history of of false ac- allegations and false accusations against black men uh, throughout history of the United States. But ultimately, ultimately, you can't stack one injustice upon another and then think that that equals justice somehow. Then you just have a fucking pile of injustice. A, a, a growing number of victims. And in the case of sexual violence, ah, that just, it doesn't sit well. So I want to say that this uh, documentary, in case you want to watch it, it, it aired on Lifetime. So if you want to track it down, Surviving R. Kelly. And like I said, he lives at Trump Tower, Chicago. Yeah. And he has been in there hiding. Um, but police have visited him twice since the airing of this documentary. Once during his birthday party, after they had received a tip that there was an outstanding warrant for his arrest, they went there, talked to him, determined that the information was not accurate and then left without arresting him or yeah. citing him. And then they also received a, a tip that two women were being held hostage in Trump tower, Chicago. The police went there and interviewed the women who have now been identified and they said that they are not being held hostage and they left without making any arrests. And the parents of those women say that R Kelly has brainwashed them. And you've, you've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where the sex slave thing that you were touching on where he has these women and they can't leave the house and they, he treats them in a very demeaning, abusive way. And I think they interviewed some people who had made it out of that situation on the documentary as well. So really terrible yeah i think likely something will come of this i I haven't seen the documentary i I, i'm I'm gonna hopefully be able to find it on i don't know if we have lifetime but uh watch it um hard to speak about something that you haven't fully watched although i am privy to uh, enough of his sordid activities to to make some kind of a judgment so Mm -hmm. uh thank you jen we appreciate uh the, the email very much Listen, I would love to hear from uh, everybody on this topic. 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com or simply email us like uh, Jen from Long Beach did. We also have another email from Bob K. 
Hi to both of you. My question is, why is there no challenge to Trump about the humanitarian part of this crisis? America sends aid to almost everywhere in the world when people are in need, and yet we don't send it to the people at the Mexican border. We should be sending blankets, food, water, shelter, and more to them if this were a true humanitarian crisis. We need to challenge the orange monster in chief about his description of the situation. Your thoughts? Bob K. I completely agree. Um, however, I don't believe, and this isn't to discount your point, Donald Trump is not explaining this as like when he says he wants to uh, declare a national emergency. It's not based on what's happening, the humanitarian crisis. He's talking about the, the national emergency that doesn't exist related to unfettered, insane, open border immigration, mm -hmm. which is a lie. It's based on a lie. It's a fabrication. We absolutely, as a nation, being you know the wealthiest country on the goddamn planet, should be doing a better job, uh, or any job at all, of taking care of the conditions south of our of our southern border. It is people living in squalor, it, open sewers. It, it is uh, disgraceful that we're not doing more. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thank you for that. We we appreciate it very much. Uh, let's. I don't think we have any follow-up, so we're just going to move on, chugging along with the program. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. If you are new to the show and you're like, what the hell is Patreon? Patreon is a website where you can go and sign up for any dollar amount per month, and then you get kind of smashed into a reward tier. <laughs> smashed is not the appropriate wow. word. Um, and you can get stickers, uh, access to monthly Google Hangouts, the new newsletter that we're putting together with um, a collection of articles and recipes and things that we care about that you might not care about, but we want to know what you care about. So tell us what well, you care it's, about. Well, it's just also just a, a, another layer of connection um, of community. Exactly. Yeah. So don't be afraid of Patreon. Um, they love to kick white supremacists off their platform. So if you like that kind of thing, then you'll like Patreon. Um, They're doing a pretty goddamn good job. So PayPal is another way that you can support us. And obviously shopping on Amazon. Dollamore.com slash Amazon. No additional cost to you, but we get a little something from Mr. Bezos. And every little bit goes a long way. Or as Trump calls him, Mr. Bozo. Mr. Bozo. Really? Very, very creative with the names. It was really impressive. But what are you going to do when a guy can buy you? You're a, you're a self-purported billionaire. Yeah. And the guy you're attacking can buy you 10, 12, 15 times over. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, let's say you're worth $8 billion Yeah. And Bezos is worth 100 and some. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Probably makes, it's like a penis envy thing. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't feel good about it. It's cash envy. Yeah. Sure, it doesn't feel good. Which doesn't make Jeff Bezos a good guy. By all accounts, he's, you know, kind of a piece of shit. But, you know, what are you going to do? He could give more of his money away. He sure could. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jeff, if you're listening, <laughs> you can go to Patreon.com. After what I just said, <laughs> let me give this plug. Stop. 
Salamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. We have two new Democrats in the race for president for 2020. It's starting. Tulsi Gabbard announced, well, she hasn't officially announced, but she pre-announced her intention to run. She announced her intention to announce that she's going to be running for president on uh, Van Jones' show. Mm -hmm. Are you going to run for president of the United States and do something about it? Do you think she should? (laughs) Do you think she should? Are you going to run? (laughs) (laughs) I have decided to run and will be making a formal announcement within the next week. Whoa. All right, with the whoa. I love how he, he went on to say that it's going to be good for his ratings, yeah, which that, yeah. <laughs> that was a really strange thing to immediately say. Apparently, his show's not doing well. Oh, really? <laughs> well, based on his oh, immediate right. reaction. <laughs> That's the first thing you think. Yeah, about. he wasn't like, oh, this is so exciting. Let's talk about it for the country. It's like, oh, good. My ratings. Got a scoop. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of consternation right now surrounding Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, I will say this, um, not that my opinion matters too much, but uh, she's a no for me. Right out of the gate, she's a no. Well, let's say she's a Democrat from Hawaii. That's right. Just to give some background. Democratic congresswoman from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, a veteran. Mm-hmm. Someone who went and met with uh, Bashar al-Assad. And that's more kind of where I come in on it. There's a lot of controversy right now surrounding her position on LGBTQ issues. Mm-hmm. And her um, appearance in commercials and past past, I want to stress that, but past ideologies and thoughts surrounding gay marriage, and not only that, but her support of her father, who advocated for conversion therapy and shit like that. Here's a commercial from during uh, a campaign in Hawaii in 1998 to amend the Hawaiian Constitution to allow the legislature to make gay marriage unconstitutional in their state. So before we play this, we want to say that the people who are appearing in this video, at least some of them are members of her family and including her. Yes. And um, her, her father is a prominent anti-gay activist. So that that's just some context for the video you're about to hear. Each of us has the right to marry, but we don't have the absolute right to marry anyone we want. For example, I'm not allowed to marry my daughter. Or my son. I can't marry my sister or my brother. And I can't marry Kimo. And I can't marry my dog. This doesn't mean we don't have civil rights. Don't open the door to weird marriages. Don't let homosexuals force their values on the people of Hawaii. Vote yes on the marriage amendment. Weird marriages. Don't let homosexuals force their values... You mean wanting to to be joined in a union of marriage just like you are? I mean, we can go. It's the same arguments that we could make, but it is disgraceful, this point of view. It was then. It is now. Um, And then the dog comment. Yeah, you got to wonder what happened to that guy. I mean, is he this is forever on video now and it's all over the Internet. And I mean, I wonder where that guy is. 
And if he looks back at that and cringes, or if he still holds that position and thinks he's making a super legit argument. Yeah. Um, Putting a little stank on the word dog, too. It was. I can't marry my dog. It was extremely aggressive. And shockingly, he had a smile on his face when he said it. So I can't imagine what he would sound like when he's scowling. Scary thought. So here's my. This is not why that I'm not going to support Tulsi Gabbard. And there's little she could do to change my mind. Um, because this was 1998 when she was a, a kid. And apparently... She was 17. She was 17. Possibly 18, depending on the She months. was the youngest state legislator in the state's history. And even in 2004, she held these views. She has since apologized. And um, I've seen claims or seen... People say that she says that she hasn't changed her views. However, um, she abides by the law, but I haven't seen that from her. Mm -hmm. I know that she is a Democrat. She is a progressive Democrat. She's a Bernie Sanders wing type of of Democrat, very progressive. My issue with her, well, let's, let's address the gay, the gay marriage thing and the homosexuality thing, the opposition to it. This was 1998 and 2004. If you're going to if you're going to demonize her for holding these up, she's 37 now, mm-hmm. so she was young then. Mm-hmm. If you're going to demonize her for not being in favor of gay marriage in 2004, then you better hold not only uh, Hillary Clinton to that same standard, you better hold Barack Obama to that same standard, who didn't come around on gay marriage until 2012. Longer than a decade before Republican Jesse Dollimore did. Well, and I, I would say, I mean, I don't know if you, you paused for a little bit there. Yeah. Is it okay if I... Yeah, sure. Okay, because you seem a little angry. Um, so I didn't know if you needed a minute to pause. No, I just... This, this particular issue bothers me about Democrats because it's like they've rewritten history and act like Barack Obama was always in favor of gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And he was not, and neither was was Hillary Clinton. So if you're going to demonize her, and she is on the chopping block right now because of this, then you hold everyone to that same standard. Well, and I guess, yeah, here... And that's coming from someone who's not supporting her. Sorry, now I'll shut my mouth. Here's what the difference is. So obviously, if she was 17 in that video, I don't think that this video is the smoking gun. Yeah, for sure not. Um. She was obviously indoctrinated into a belief system as a young person by her father. Her nutter butter dad. And you can't, it's not our choice, the families that we're born into, right? Yeah. I mean, I have photos of me doing the Nazi salute with the founder of Aryan Nations. My brother's wearing a Nazi armband. You know, we're, yeah. ki- we're kids. Um, if that were to resurface or, I mean, I have it, so it's not going anywhere until I decide. Um, but if that were to come up, if I was running for office or something, yes, ask me questions about that 100%. Yeah. But ultimately the question is, are those your beliefs still? What have you done? Prove it to us. Right. That more than anything. And with Tulsi Gabbard, she was still on the anti-gay train when she first entered politics in 2002 during her first run for state legislature in 2002, she was working with her father still close with her anti-gay activist father. And obviously, like you're saying, that wasn't unique 
to Democrats to still have anti-gay positions, right? Be against gay marriage. Mm -hmm. But I guess there should be additional questions here because there's going to be some work to undo that indoctrination, right? For sure. And if she's 17 and appearing in a video about marrying the dog, you know, that is kind of aggressive and that might go above and beyond what was the norm in terms of what people were saying it's at that time. It's certainly not the norm. That That's like a, a fundamentalist evangelical Christian point of view. Right. Yeah. So now that all of this is coming out, she has issued a statement and this is her statement. Quote, first, let me say I regret the positions I took in the past and the things I said. I'm grateful for those in the LGBTQ community who have shared their aloha with me throughout my personal journey. Over the past six years in Congress, I have been fortunate to have had the opportunity to help work toward passing legislation that ensures equal rights and protections on LGBTQ plus issues, such as the Equality Act, the repeal of DOMA, Restore Honor to Service Members Act, and the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, the Safe Schools Improvement Act, and the Equality for All Resolution. Much work remains to ensure equality and civil rights protections for LGBTQ plus Americans, and if elected president, I will continue to fight for equal rights for all. So even with that, my question still is, what about your dad? Yeah. What's what's the relationship there? What's the indoctrination that you received? There needs to be a denouncement of, of at the very least, his views. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, she says that she regrets the positions that she took in the past and the things that she said does that mean that she rejects those beliefs yeah and um doesn't want any part of them it, it, it does seem like a calculated parsing of words yeah i would like a little bit more of a forceful rejection yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um and i don't feel like i'm i'm getting that for me i think she's just a little too close well first of all she rushed. She was tripping all the fuck over herself to get to Trump Tower in the in the aftermath of Donald Trump's election in 2016. Before, uh, during the transition, mm -hmm. she was eager to meet with Donald Trump. She has uh, problematic views about Bashar al-Assad. As I mentioned before, she went to Syria and met with him. Mm -hmm. That's a problem for me. Mm -hmm. Going off half cocked is not what you do if you want to be a sober leader of the free world. So for me, she's just not there yet. She's not ready for prime time. Um, and I, she's not going to last long in the race. She'll, she'll end up. A lot of times people run for president to up their profile and maybe get a position within the administration of their party. If their if their uh, party gets elected to the, to the office, um, or leadership roles in, in the house, or where you know their current their current uh, the body of governance. So I, I don't know. I'm uh, not a giant fan. I don't see much here that uh, would would make me want to support her. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about this because the two people we're talking about are really like nobodies, right? Their names are not well known, and they haven't been on the top of the polling that we've been seeing about yeah, yeah, who's yeah. likely to do well. And it just seems like, what do you think you can bring to the table? Like, I want to hear that right now. <laughs> I know she hasn't announced yet, but I want to know, like, what do these people think is so unique about them that they're throwing their hat in the ring and ready to go? 
it's especially early. when they're yeah for sure early but especially when there are so many other candidates out there that have been talked about that have the experience that have the resume that have the views that have the track record that have the vision that have the leadership uh, all of the other characteristics that make for a good president yeah i mean are we gonna have like 14 candidates on stage is it gonna be like the republican uh, uh race in 2016 where you had an a team and a b team debates Right, and where they couldn't even come out in a single file line accurately. Well, it's Ben Carson. He has trouble. They're like bumping into each other, don't know what to do. <laughs> so the other candidate, like I mentioned, is Julian Castro. And uh, this is his brief. Uh, he gave like a nine or ten minute uh, um, announcement speech. And this is the fewer than the last 60 seconds of it. You see, I learned from my mother so many years ago in this community that when we want change, we don't wait for change, we work for it. When my grandmother got here almost 100 years ago, I'm sure that she never could have imagined that just two generations later, one of her grandsons would be serving as a member of the United States Congress, and the other would be standing with you here today to say these words, I am a candidate for President of the United States of America. Now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rush judgment against Julian Castro because I don't know too much about him. But in the coming days, in the coming weeks, the coming months, if he stays that long, uh, we're we're going to do the due diligence and look into their records. We're going to drag out the skeletons and talk about them and make a determination with you guys, the audience. Is it um, is it enough to disqualify them? Because going into this, listen, we don't want just someone who can beat Trump. We want the antithesis of Donald Trump. We want someone supremely qualified. Well, we also should say who he is, which we should have yeah. probably done initially. Um, he, That's not what we do here. He, <laughs> We're flying we by the seat of our pants. We don't do things well here. <laughs> He's He was the youngest member of Obama's cabinet. He was the United States Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under Obama from 2014 to 2017. Of course, that is now the job that Ben Carson has. That's right. Good times. Um, so, yeah, like you said, this is another uh, person that is not really well known. Um, he, like I was talking about those polls where you see... Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Cory Booker, these other names that are kind of rising to the top of even Beto, what people know and yeah. what they're familiar with. These 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 two names that we've talked about, they're not typically on that list. So we're going to keep following this. There are going there are, you know, it's undoubtedly going to be a pile of candidates throwing their hat in the ring uh, for the for the 2020 election. So uh, the other thing we're going to talk about today is uh, the, the, the insane reporting surrounding Donald Trump that, one, not only did after he fired James Comey in the months following his taking office, um, not only did did the FBI open up a counterintelligence probe into Donald Trump as to whether he was a witting or unwitting agent or asset mm-hmm. of the Russian government, not only that, but he's also confiscated notes from his interpreter, forbade them 
from talking to anyone else within the administration. Which is really normal. Uh, surrounding his his conversations with Vladimir Putin. Seems like a normal thing to do. He's gone to extraordinary lengths to, let, to, to, to keep the information that he talked to Vladimir Putin about secret. Yeah, I saw someone tweet that they worked in the Obama White House and they were just like an intern or something. And they were taking notes on how to participate in the Easter egg roll hunt. Right. Right, right. And that they went high level talks. Yeah, they for sure that happened in the Situation Room. They went to throw <laughs> their chicken scratch paper in the trash, and someone was like, "No, no, no, no! You can't throw that away. That is official now." Yeah, it's part of the Presidential <laughs> Records Act. Yeah, and so imagine the Easter egg roll <laughs> notes: how to participate in the Easter egg roll. That that's protected information that cannot be thrown away. Yeah. So where are his notes after having talked to to Vladimir Putin? Where are those notes from the interpreter? Covered in greasy fry grease. Yeah, they weren't written on the back of a of a of a Big Mac wrapper. Mm-hmm. They were. In, 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 in the course of official correspondence, in, in the course of official um, meeting mm-hmm. that the government trained, certified interpreter took the notes. Yes. And where are they? So the headlines have not been good for the U.S. president this weekend. In the past few hours, Donald Trump has responded to two reports containing explosive accusations against him. The latest is this one from The Washington Post. It says there are no detailed records from any of the five meetings Mr. Trump has had with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The Post says Trump went to extraordinary lengths to keep the specifics of those conversations secret, including, on at least one occasion, confiscating the notes from the only person who'd been in the room with him, that's his interpreter, and not allowing the interpreter to discuss the meetings with anyone else in the administration. I'm not keeping anything under wraps. I couldn't care less. I mean, it's so ridiculous. These people make it up. Now, this reporting comes just a day after another jaw-dropping story, this one from the New York Times. It said the FBI began a counterintelligence inquiry into Mr. Trump himself in the days after he fired FBI Director James Comey. The FBI reportedly wanted to know if the president was working to benefit Russia. Here's Mr. Trump's answer to that. Are you now or have you ever worked for Russia, Mr. President? I think it's the most insulting thing I've ever been asked. I think it's the most insulting article I've ever had written. Uh, And if you read the article, you'd see that they found absolutely nothing. Uh, Members of Mr. Trump's administration are coming to their boss's defense, as you'd expect. Boris Sanchez has that part of the story from the White House. President Trump launched a barrage of tweets on Saturday morning, responding to reporting in the New York Times that shortly after he fired former FBI Director James Comey, the FBI launched an investigation, a counterintelligence investigation, to find out whether President Trump had wittingly or unwittingly begun working for the Russian government, potentially against American interests. CNN has confirmed that that investigation was in fact opened. Uh, We should point out the president tweeted this, quote, wow, just learned in the failing New York Times that the corrupt former leaders of the FBI, almost all fired or forced to leave the agency for some very bad reasons, opened up an investigation on me for no reason and with no proof after I fired Lion James Comey, a total sleaze. 
Now, the president's own behavior after uh, firing Comey is, according to the New York Times, what set agents off and raised red flags into the president's behavior and led to the opening of this investigation. Notably, one of those instances involved a letter that was drafted in May of 2017 before Comey was fired that listed the, the president's reasons for firing the now former FBI director. Uh, that letter was apparently blocked by former White House counsel Don McGahn, who threatened to resign if it was released. We know that letter is now in the possession of a special counsel Robert Mueller and is part of his inquiry into whether the president committed obstruction of justice by firing James Comey. Uh, now others are coming to the defense of the president, including Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who on a Sunday morning talk show called the reporting in the New York Times ludicrous. Listen to this. I'm not going to comment on New York Times stories, uh, but I'll certainly say this, that the notion that President Trump is a threat to American national security is absolutely ludicrous. Just to clarify, since you were CIA director, did you have any idea that this investigation was happening? <laughs> Margaret, 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 I, I've answered this question <laughs> repeatedly, indeed, on your show. Uh, the, the idea that's contained in the New York Times story that uh, President Trump was a threat to American national security is, is silly on its face and not worthy of a response. The press secretary, Sarah Sanders, also weighed in late on Friday evening, putting out a statement that called James Comey a disgraced partisan hack and also uh, said that the reporting in the New York Times was absurd. Boris Sanchez, CNN at the White House. I just feel exhausted. Every single day. Yeah. I feel completely exhausted. I wonder if this is how people who paid attention uh, during Watergate felt. Because every single day, it is just a new barrage of insane, crazy statements and responses. Listening to that statement from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I mean, what is going to happen to her? Where, what does she think she's going to do? Yeah. Because this is not going to end well. And, and every single day that passes, it gets more clear that this is not going to end well for any of these people. Yeah. That she covered for someone, at the very least, sympathetic to the agenda of a hostile foreign adversary. At the very least, sympathetic. But possibly working directly for mm -hmm. or in concert with. Mm-hmm. That's traitorous. It's it's just so all this news about him taking the notes and what was it on five different five different locations that he's met That's with right. Putin five, and five different times face to face meetings. And now there's no record of anything that was said during any of those meetings, even even within classified accounts. There are no details. Mm -hmm. The CIA. The NS, there are no records, even in classified files. Yeah. That should be alarming to everyone, including hawkish national security Republicans. But where the fuck are they? Yeah. <laughs> where are they? Mm -hmm. Hello? <laughs> Republicans? Yeah. Lindsey Graham wants him to call up for a national emergency. Also, let me say this. How many times can you be asked the question, so Mike Pompeo, mm -hmm. <laughs> former director of the CIA, current secretary of state, 
Was there a counterintelligence investigation launched by the FBI? You would certainly know about that, being the director of the CIA. Margaret, Margaret, Margaret. Oh, the notion. I've already answered that. <laughs> the notion that Donald Trump is a threat to American national security is ludicrous. Yeah, but did the investigation happen? Oh, <laughs> I've already answered this. I, I'm not going to dignify it. Why won't you dignify? All you have to say is, no, it didn't happen. And the fact right. that you're not answering, it means it fucking happened. Well, and Donald Trump was in the same situation because this news broke on the weekend and he happened to be doing an interview with Judge Jeanine Pirro on Fox News. And she asked him the question. Which, I was shocked she asked. I mean, yes, but she was also laughing as she teed it up. She's like, ha ha ha, let's ask you about this crazy reporting that we know isn't right. But she asked him the question and he did not answer. I want to move on to another subject. New York Times uh, reported that the FBI opened a counterintelligence investigation the day after uh, you fired James Comey in, in May of 17. Uh, and, and, they, and the investigation was whether you were actively working for Russia or unwittingly. So I'm going to ask you, are you now or have you ever worked for Russia, Mr. President? I think it's the most <laughs> insulting thing I've ever been asked. I think it's the most insulting article I've ever had written. Uh, and if you read the article, you'd see that they found absolutely nothing. But the, the headline of that article, it's called The Failing New York Times for a reason. They've gotten me wrong for three years. They've actually gotten me wrong for many years before that. But you look at what's going on. You know, I fired James Coney. I, I call him Lion James Comey because mm -hmm. uh, he was a terrible liar and he did a terrible job as the fbi director look at what happened with hillary clinton yep. and the emails and the hillary clinton investigation one of the biggest uh screw-ups that anybody's ever seen as an investigation and what happened after i fired him andrew mckay peter Strzok, his lover lisa page they did it and you know they're all gone most of those people many many people from the top ranks of the fbi they've all been fired or they had to leave and they're all gone. This is what they were talking about. And obviously nothing was found. And I can tell you this, if you ask the folks in Russia, I've been tougher on Russia than anybody else, any other, probably any other president, period. But certainly the last three or four presidents, modern day presidents, nobody's been as tough as I have from any standpoint, including the fact that we're doing oil like we've never done it. We're setting records in our country with oil and exporting oil and many other things. So which is obviously not great for them because that's what they that's where they get their money for the most part. But many other things. So. I, I think it was a great insult, and the New York Times is a disaster as a paper. It's a, uh, it's a very horrible thing, they said. And they've gone so far that people that weren't necessary believers are now big believers because they said that was a step too far. They really are a disaster of a newspaper. Well, you know, when you think about it, the people that were involved in that are all So let's flip the context here a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Have you cheated on me? That is the most insulting question I have ever heard. Right. I made dinner. I buy flowers. I was just talking to someone about how happy I am. And I think everything is really good. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing this question from you. Yeah, but did you? That is really offensive. Wow, you're going to continue asking me? <laughs> That is how someone responds when 
they're guilty. And this is ask me if I have now if I work now. Ask me the question. Have you now or ever worked for Russia? No. (laughs) Nope. Never have. And you have to wonder. No matter how insulting the question seems. That's an important thing you want to have a no on. Yeah. So listen, I have seen liberals say on the Internet every time a news story comes out. Yeah, we already knew this. We already knew this. Yeah, we don't know. Right. We have a hunch. Yeah. And we're using our brains uh, to to accumulate the vast amounts of evidence that are pointing in a certain direction. Right. And, and we're thinking animals so we can do that. But we don't know for sure. Right. And the thing is, Donald Trump is acting like a very guilty person would act. He is taking the notes. The cheating the cheating analogy is exactly that I mean that's spot the fuck on. He doesn't want record of his communications with Putin. He won't answer questions. He I mean all of this just paints a very bad picture for him. Yeah, yeah. And if it comes out that he is not uh, colluding with Russia. The question would be, why the fuck were you acting like a knucklehead? Yeah, why are you taking the notes? Why don't you want any record of your conversations with Putin? Like, what is going on? It, it won't add up. Well, not only that, but it, it, it's not like he does this with everybody. When he meets with uh, Justin Trudeau, he's not making sure that it's Yoink. secret. <laughs> yeah, when he meets with even e- assholes like uh, Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines... He doesn't make sure that the that the 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 readout of the call is is taken and scrubbed from the record and not entered into a, you know a database of of information that would be maintained by the CIA. He doesn't do that. It's only with Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. It is dangerous. It is unacceptable for the leader of our country uh, to whom. The security of our of our nation is is, is he's responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there there are several takes on this. I often go to Juliet Kayam, mm-hmm. who I believe is a Harvard professor of national security. She has lived and worked in this space. She is someone that I respect immensely. Maybe above anybody else, I take her opinion. When she speaks, when she has a hot take, when she makes a prediction, I listen. And this is what she had to say. This, Juliet, um, you being a security uh, expert. So uh, as Adam said, there's a criminal element to this. And then there's also a counter uh, intelligence uh, investigation into whether the president um, constituted possible threat to national security. Connect the dots for us here. Okay, so what we know from Adam's great reporting and I'm uh, and and others who are analyzing this, like Benjamin Wittes at Lawfare, is um, that the counterintelligence investigation that was started against Donald Trump was focused on the president himself. So this was no longer who in the campaign knew. This is Trump specifically. So just everyone, take a step back. As the FBI opened a counterintelligence investigation on the president himself. The second thing is, is that we, and I do this on your show all the time, tend to think of the Mueller investigation in three different pools. There's the financial, there's the obstruction of justice, and there's the collusion, right, with Russia. Now what we need to think about is, is the collusion, which we tend to think about between Russia and Trump. 
and the obstruction of justice investigation, which we tend to think of as just a Trump issue, is are they the same? I mean, in other words, does the does the collusion extend to things like the firing of James Comey? And that is a that's a significant move. I'm not going to connect any more dots because we obviously don't know where the investigation went. But I will end with this point. A president, how would a president compromised by the Russians behave? And give me any moment that uh, in the last two years where Trump has behaved differently. And that's what I took away from this story. Hmm. Poignant. Think about how someone who has been compromised by an enemy of the United States relative to their interests over the interests of the United States and our allies and how would they act? The picture of Donald Trump comes clearly into focus. Now listen to this. We'll wrap dollamocracy with this. This is Democratic Senator from Virginia, Mark Warner, a more sober voice than some of the alarmist talk and the, the inflamed partisan talk that you hear from um, Adam Schiff. And I mentioned Adam Schiff because he is now, now the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, mm -hmm. where Mark War Warner is the ranking member, the minority chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And he is a guy who doesn't like to overstate in any more than he knows. He's kind of a boring guy, but that's the kind of guy you want in that position. And this is what he has to say when asked about Donald Trump possibly being a Russian agent. Trump slammed the idea last note as the most insulting thing he's ever been asked, uh, adding, quote, they found absolutely nothing. On its face, it's a, it's a stunning uh, turn of events. Do you think the president of the United States ever worked on behalf of the Russians against American interests? Well, Jake, that's the defining question of our investigation and the Mueller investigation. Was there collusion? Um, I'm not going to talk about what we may have been briefed in the Gang of Eight uh, when these investigations opened, but I do think it's curious that throughout that whole summer when these investigations started, you had Vladimir Putin policies almost being parroted by Donald Trump. You had uh, Trump say only nice things about Putin. He never spoke ill about Russia. The Republican um, campaign doctrines softened on Russia and uh, decreased their willingness to defend Ukraine. There was a series of outside actions. I think we all remember when uh, Trump and his bluster basically said to the Russians, if you've got more emails, bring them on. These are not actions of a traditional president for the United States. All right, but let, let me, let me. So listen, any other time in American history, if a member of the opposition party to the president was asked, hey, listen, uh, Democratic senator, do you think George W. Bush is an agent of this foreign nation? They would say, what? That is fucking ridiculous. Of course not. If you asked a, a, a Republican during Clinton's administration or Obama's administration, hey, are those guys working on behalf of a hostile foreign adversary against the interest of the United States, security and economic and otherwise? They would say, no, no way. We disagree fundamentally on policy, but 
No, he's not a traitor or treasonous or acting in league with an adversary. But he didn't say that. He specifically said, that's the defining question of our investigation. Not no, that's ridiculous. He said, yeah, that's what we're trying to find out because the question bears an investigation. What are Republicans going to do when finally there's too much evidence to deny? It's the same question that you were just asking, Brittany. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to people like Sarah Huckabee Sanders Mm -hmm. when there's no other rocks to hide under and Donald Trump is going down and they've spent months and years defending someone who has systematically worked against the security and economic interests of the United States? That is the question. We would love to have answers and opinions from the audience. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Jessica Fowler and Amber Harrell. I would assume is how you pronounce that. So this was a listener submitted asshole of today recommendation. All right. And these two women have been charged with sexually assaulting a transgender woman at a bar in Raleigh, North Carolina. Ugh. And this was in NBC News. It, it, it hit the major outlets. And I think that that is a positive thing because a lot of the animus surrounding um, transgender people and the bathroom issue in particular is that anti-trans people uh, say that they are predators, right? Sexual right. predators who cannot be let into the bathroom. Otherwise, they will sexually assault whoever our is in the bathroom. Our children are at risk of assault. Uh, our, our wives are at risk of assault from transgender people. Right. Yeah. When that's just... The facts don't bear that. The facts don't bear that out. Right. And this case really paints a picture there. Um, the woman was inside the women's bathroom at a bar and the two women that have been arrested walked in and started verbally abusing her and exposed themselves and started touching her. Um, Ugh, Jesus. The woman, the woman that was attacked says that they continued to assault her outside the bathroom and ignored her and bartender's orders to stop. So there were witnesses in this case because it happened also outside yeah, yeah. of the bathroom. Um, NBC News notes in this article that according to a 2015 U.S. transgender survey, 47% of trans people surveyed reported being sexually assaulted in their lifetime. Half. Think about that. That if you look to your left or your right, more than 1.5 of those people, I don't know how the math works out, but half Mm -hmm. of their population. Mm -hmm. So that that is, it's disgusting. And you know what? Let's say this. Thankfully, because this happened in North Carolina, which isn't exactly a bastion of enlightenment. Mm hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So good. It's it's good that 
that if anything came out of this, that there is going to be a conviction or at least there was an arrest. Mm-hmm. We're going to follow this. Yeah, they were released on bond. It's not clear if they have lawyers, but um, they will have to register as sex offenders if they are convicted. Oh, good. So, yeah. yeah. Well, right on. So, that, you know, a little bit of a, a, a of a silver lining, at mm-hmm. least a, a potential silver lining. Yeah. Um, I I really hope that this is a, the, the, the way that society... Um, thinks and deals with the trans issue, if you will, um, happens as rapidly as it did with like gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Because it, we went from no on gay marriage to, oh yeah, of course that's the norm, in a blink of an eye relative to the culture changing. Mm-hmm. And I I just have a feeling that's going to be the way it is um, in however long it takes. But I, I think it's going to be a very quick turnaround. And I'm, I'm hopeful for that. Well, and the media has a responsibility. And I um, have a, I have 30 tabs open like usual. And one of them is an article I'm getting ready to read about. Is the media going to do something different this time around with Donald Trump? Um, I would say no. In the election 2020. Well, anyway, the, <laughs> the media has the power to inform the people in such a way that they understand reality. And NBC News taking this story and highlighting its importance in their readers and giving them stats on on the sexual abuse of transgender people, that is important. And that goes a long way towards shifting public perception on these issues. Well, it certainly highlights where the actual dangers lie. Mm -hmm. And it's not trans people against the rest of the world. It's the rest of the world putting trans people in fucking danger. Mm-hmm. So good for NBC, maybe taking care of biz for them, although mm-hmm. they're going to fuck it up with Trump for sure going forward. Good times. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end it there. Yes. We love you guys. Thank you for your never ending support, your loyalty, your listenership. If you are not subscribed to the show, I would invite you to subscribe by whatever means. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. We also would invite you to consider, if you love the show, we would love to have you join the Patreon family. Two, three bucks a month goes a long way. And uh, we we are looking forward to this year being a great year with new things, innovative things, different things than we've done in the past. And it will be because of your support that we're able to do that. So until next time, episode 480, we will see you then. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Mm, I'm friends with so many women. (laughs) We're desperate to make this stick. (laughs) 